Hello, and welcome to the Former Inmates for Change podcast. Each show will feature interviews with former inmates as they share their stories and experiences with the criminal justice system. We will be discussing topics ranging from drugs, gangs, prison culture, prison reform, and much more. We invite you to submit questions and comments at inmates, the number four, change at gmail.com. You can also visit us on the web at inmatesforchange.com. And don't forget to follow on Instagram at inmates, the number four, change the number one, and subscribe on YouTube, former inmates for change. Thank you and stay tuned for more exciting interviews and conversations. Like I said, you know, you're you're a good guy and uh, you're always getting our stories. And I thought it would be kind of interesting to get your story and to, and to see what made you tick. Um, you're a very unique uh, probation officer, at least in, in, in my view. Um, I just want to know, you know, a little bit about you, you know, like where you're from and, and you know how you got into this. OK, um, so I am from Charleston, uh, South Carolina. Um, you know, I was born and raised my entire life. Um, uh just a great place, great upbringing. I was very fortunate. Um, you know, I don't have these, you know, rags to riches. Um, you know, I didn't come from a terrible upbringing, terrible neighborhood. Um, I was very, very fortunate to have both of my parents um, in my life. Uh, they're still together to this day. And um, my sister and I, we've just been blessed, grew up in the church um, and just had a, a very, very good, very blessed childhood. You know, grew up in a community kind of atmosphere. All my cousins were around, you know, so like um, I was very fortunate. And so, um, you know, that really, really helped me, you know, in terms of being educated and having the right values and, um, you know, just, just growing up in an all around just wonderful, you know, you know, way. So, um, fast forward, uh, got a scholarship to play football, um, did four years at a Presbyterian college down there in, uh, South Carolina. Um, wonderful, wonderful time. You know, I've got friends to this day, um, you know, because of my relationships that I've met in, at, at PC, um, did four years at Pre Presbyterian, graduated in 2003 and, you know, like everybody else that wanted to get into law enforcement, because that's always kind of been like my my path. Like I always, always wanted to be in law enforcement. My dad's probably military. I've got a few uncles that worked at the sheriff's department in Charleston County. And then I had another uncle retired in YPD. So um, just kind of always thought, kind of always knew that I would get into law enforcement. And so um, 2003 graduated, but I didn't feel like, um, I guess, getting a real job or, um, you know, I still kind of had that college mentality going on. Like I did, I, like I knew I had to get a job and I wanted to get in law enforcement, but I wanted like federal law enforcement. I wanted to start at the top. I never wanted, wanted to go right to the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause like, I felt like the world owed me something. I was like, you know, I graduated from college and I did everything y'all told me to do. So like, like I'm here, this is what I want. This is what I deserve. So that was my mindset being naive. I didn't know any better. So, um, that's what I did. I started applying, um, and, um, got a few, 
you know, I never, I never got an interview. I got, you know, people. Who, who, who'd, you, who'd you apply with first? Who did you uh, reach out to, the, you know, first? Who, what was like your dream law enforcement job? At the time, I wanted like the FBI. At the time, I wanted the FBI. You know, like, like what kid in law enforcement that was thinking about law doesn't want to get in the FBI? You know, so like, it was FBI, then U.S. Marshals, because I thought they were really cool. Um, never really wanted to do DEA. Um, but you know, I would have taken it. I applied to there. Um, and over my career, I've pretty much applied to all of them, to be honest with you, but starting out like FBI and U S marshals. Um, and so, you know, I, when I got out of college, just almost like immediately, you know, I started that process and, you know, like, like anything, it doesn't, anything in the government, it doesn't happen right away it took hurry up wait yeah yeah like you would apply and then it would take three months for somebody to get the application and then you got another three months before you get it was just long but i was still waiting i was willing to wait because i was naive and i was just like all right you know i'm still kind of like in party mode so um and at the time i was back in charleston so i did that i stayed there for maybe like eight months or so and then um i had a buddy of mine that lived in orlando florida and so i got the bright idea to move down to orlando and um, worked in a hotel um, business center at the Peabody Hotel. Had a wonderful time. My, my hours at work were ridiculous. I was got up and worked from went to work from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and literally partied from Sunday to Sunday. It was it was bad. You know, it was, you know, so like, <laughs> I quickly realized like, listen, if I don't get out of Orlando, Florida, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna do something crazy. Now the entire time I was still focused on law enforcement. Like I would still apply. Um, to different agencies, you know, because you get to a point where you start to realize, okay, like this is taking too long. And like, I'm kind of, my patience, you know, is getting thin, you know, like I gotta, you know, something has to happen. So um, I guess for me, I would say the drive was still there, but, you know, I was still in the present, you know, I was just kind of like in college party mode. So um, maybe a year after living in Orlando, maybe like a year and a half or so, somewhere around there. I moved back to Charleston and that's kind of when I got, you know, my start into law enforcement. Now, you know, like I said, I still had that idea, that mindset of wanting to go federal, but um, I ended up applying and got a job with the state of South Carolina working as a state probation officer. Um, And I did that for, let's see, like two years. And I will, and I'll say to this day is probably the greatest experience that, um I ever had and I wouldn't say that I won't say that it was the job it was the people um people like the people you work with or um you know the people you supervised the people that work the people that work that I work with and the people that I looked up to some of them um I won't say whether we're friends today, but we we I definitely watch them from a distance and I follow a lot of what their moves. Every once in a while we'll get like if I go back home, I'll stop by and say hi. Um, but they really helped shape my thinking, um, really helped to mold like, you know, my idea of people who grew up differently than, you know, than what I did. And they really just helped me to like focused on people and not so much the job. Like it's, I think sometimes when folks get, you get certain positions and particularly like being young and having a position of authority, 
like they never really focused on the authority. They were like, listen, you got to focus on people on what makes people tick and what drives them. And like, you know, and always, they would always like challenge my thinking, you know? So like, even today, like when I talk to a lot of young officers, like I don't necessarily um, focus on the mechanics or, you know, like the physical aspect, like the running, the jumping, you know, like I don't really focus on that, but like, I like to challenge like, their thinking and their processes, because to me, that's where you really get to connect with the folks that you end up having to work with that on your caseload. For sure. Because I, I remember, you know, when you came to my apartment that first time, you know, when I had always in my mind and, you know, I had already played out our interaction. Like when I, you know, years and years ago in prison, like I always played out like how my first interaction was going to go with probation. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of blew that out of the water, you know, I was kind of tense when you came to my apartment and, you know, you sat there and conversated with me for an hour and I was, wow, I, I, I can't believe this guy's a probation officer, right. you know, because I had never had, um, you know, I still remember today what you talked to me about, you know, so for, for me, it was, um, you know, a lot different than what I expected. It was a lot different from what I, I've experienced and it was a lot different from what I was being told, you know, in prison mm-hmm. to expect. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, they they really helped. They shaped a lot of my thinking to this day. And, um, you know, so I I owe them a lot of gratitude. And, you know, I love them, always love the, the, you know, Charleston County, you know, probation office for that because they really, they really helped me. Um, So I did that for maybe like two years, maybe a little less than two years. And then because like the money was, the money sucked. Like it was awful. (laughs) I literally made like 23,500 bucks a year. And, um, you know, when you've got like, you know, you're a college kid and you've got, you know, student loans. And- yeah. You know, like, I mean, I, I got I, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship um, to play to play football. But there's no such thing as a free scholarship. You ended up taking out money or something, you know, so like it wasn't much. But, you know, when you're making twenty three five and you've got a car note and you've got you know, insurance to pay. And, you know, like I had, you know, my wife now, so my girlfriend at, at the time, you know, like we would go out and want to do stuff. It's like, you know, I've got this professional job and I'm making like 600 bucks every two weeks. I'm just like, uh. <laughs> you know, so like, um, you know, so I ended up, I was like, right, I got to do something else. So I bit the bullet and I was like, all right, I'm going to go work for the police department. So um, I became a police officer. And so, um, I did that for maybe two and a half years, and um, it was at the Mount Pleasant Police Department down in Charleston County. And um, like I said, another very, 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 very good department. Um, I still have friends there to this day. I know the chief. Um, you know, we go back and forth on Facebook. We follow each other on Facebook. You know, not that I'm on it a lot, but, um, you know, they really helped me in terms of, like, understanding, um, I guess, not only people, but understanding the law. And so I'm very grateful for them for that because I did a lot of training there, um, you know, and they really, really helped shape me in that way. And so um, did that for about two years. And then my wife and I got married. And um, after she finished graduate school, you know, got married. And she decided, not me, she decided on Carolina anymore. So I was like, all right, <laughs> we're, I guess we're leaving. And so that's when we made the move to North Carolina. And um, 
I got a job at the Gaston County Police Department and um and uh I stayed there for maybe like five years or so. And one thing I'll say about Gaston County, man, their training is is, you know, top notch. Um they helped me to understand use of force and search and seizure. Um, they definitely challenged my thinking. Um you know, a couple officers in particular who who moved up in the ranks now really definitely challenged me. Um, you know, I've always had like the physical tools, you know, I'm this athlete and I can shoot and run and jump and was strong and, you know, but um, understanding the law and understanding how to apply it um, was was really what I was lacking. So they really helped shape that. So Which- I definitely credit them. Oh, I'm sorry. What's that? I'm sorry. Go Go ahead. I'll let you. No, no, no. I was, I was just gonna say that I definitely credit them for really, really helping me to take my understanding of the law, you know, to a different level, you know. So, yeah. Now, did Gaston County? Did they have like any federal task force? You know, like you know, were they like on a joint task force, or is like any way for you to like work with federal officers? You know, through Gaston County. You know, like how at the time. Well, see, I to at the time I I don't they may have at the time. See, I was like when I did my five years all in the road, like I, and I really didn't get too much into you know like the narcotics investigations. I mean, I knew they were there, but I you know they they kind of did their own thing. They were like you know in the background somewhere. They would always be there if you needed them. So I want to say they were. I, I you know when I came over to to the federal side. In 2013, you know, they definitely, um, you know, I, I want to say they did. I know they had maybe at least one or two guys. I'm not sure what it is now, but most agencies do. So it's like, it's like no secret, but most, most agencies have somebody on the phone. But there was no, like, for me, not that I knew of, there wasn't anything that, um, you know, that I would gravitate towards in terms of becoming a federal officer. Now, I will say that that was always still that was my goal you know like i was i want to say like in 2010 um i think i applied to the secret service and you know i was i was pretty much there i thought you know i completed the process and um i was told was just waiting on an academy date but at that time i think the budgets weren't doing too well i don't know but make a long story short i didn't get it but um you know that's a whole nother story for another day and um, well, it kind of ended glad because that ended that really helped shape or help with what led me to you know being a federal probation officer. So, I'm how did you, how did you um how did you go from Gaston County Police Department? You know, how did you get into federal probation? You know, I know you said your goal was like the FBI and you know people mm-hmm. nervous and that door closed. So, how did you get from Gaston County into um you know federal probation? So I. I'd never heard of federal probation, even when I was working as a state probation officer. Like, I, well, I, I take that back. I think I heard of it once when I was working at the state in, in South Carolina. But, I mean, those jobs, they don't come, the federal probation jobs don't come open very often because they're, I'd say, coveted. So, like, when they have openings, like, it's, you know, it's ridiculous the amount of applicants. Like, I always say it's the hardest job to get in federal law enforcement because, you know, most agencies, when they hire folks, they usually hire, you know, 50 to 150 people at a time, um, you know, just because they want to keep a, you know, 
a list of folks in line, you know, but when federal probation, they hire, it's kind of like you maybe one or two offices that you have to fill and then, you know, or position that's it. So you may get like three, 400 applicants, depending on the city that you're, that, that that's hiring, you may get three or 400 applicants and maybe only two positions. So like, um, so like I heard of it maybe like once, but I never thought of it. And in my back of my mind, I was like, nah, I want to do like FBI. Like I want to be one of the big dogs, you know, like I want the alphabet, you know, the ATF, you know, I want that, you know? So, um, so, I mean, I was, let me see. So I had applied for the secret service. And like I said, I was going through that process. I'm going to say I did, I done the air marshals too. Um, I was going through that process and one day I got a letter. And I remember that day very, very clearly because I was on my way to um, a co-worker's funeral. A good friend of mine, his dad passed, and I was on his way to on the way to the funeral, and I got the letter, and it said that my process had been canceled. And when they cancel your process, they don't tell you why. They just said you you weren't selected. And that was it. And so, um, you know, I was kind of down, and then like I said, I was already going to the funeral, so I was already bummed out, and like I'm just, you know. And I looked and, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to just look at the USA Jobs site and whatever what I, what I was looking at. I don't remember. It might have been USA Jobs, but um, I saw that probation was hiring. And so I put in an application and um, keep in mind, this was the second time I had applied. This was 2013 at the time. The second time I had applied to federal probation. First time I didn't even get an interview. I, I don't even know if they got my application or not, but... <laughs> <laughs> and they ain't called back. It was like, all right, whatever. And in my mind, I was like, all right, you know, Secret Service didn't work out. This didn't work out. I was like, I'm going to law school. Me and, me and a buddy of mine, we had these bright ideas. So, like, um, anyway, I put in an application, and um, lo and behold, they, they called me back. And they were like, listen, do you want to interview? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? So I went in, did the interview. and This was in Charlotte, right? You know, this was in Charlotte, man, but the, the story is crazy because, and I get a little religious here because, um, you know, at the time I was, I always grew up in the church and I remember going to church one, one, um, uh, one Sunday and my pastor at the time, he talked about like being one of the, one of the reasons we don't get what we ask for from God is because we're not specific enough. You know, like we don't, you know. God is like, God is bigger than anything you could ever imagine. So quit asking him for little stuff. You insult him. Like, tell him you want to go to the moon. Like, give him a challenge, <laughs> you know? I was like, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it out. Let's see what happens. And so um, I prayed and I was like, yo, I'm going to pray. I want my federal job in law enforcement and I want to, you know, be in Charlotte, North Carolina, because I knew at the time my wife didn't want to leave. But if you know anything about like federal government jobs and federal law enforcement, they never like put you in like Charlotte or any like, you know, like anywhere you really want to be, you know, like you always go someplace like, you know, you, you don't want to go to, they send you wherever they want to send you. They give, so, they give you like a wish list, like in the military, you know, you get a wish list, you get to pick like, you know, what bases you wish to go to. Do you get that? Yeah. 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 I mean, like you get, you know, I know with, with federal probation is different, but like the Secret Service and ATF and all those other agencies, you kind of get, you kind of like tell them where you want to go, but they still, you really don't know until like, you know, you know, so like they'll, 
you know, you, you kind of tell them like, these are my top three cities or whatever. And then they'll kind of put you, you know, wherever they want to send you to, you know, they'll try to keep it close if there's a position there. But, you know, at that point, you're low man on the totem pole. So if somebody else wants to go, then they'll give it to okay. that person. So, but federal probation is different. So, but I always knew like it was going to be difficult to stay in Charlotte, but you know, I was, you know, I was challenging God almost. I'm like, all right, I want my federal job and I want to stay in Charlotte. And so, um, like I said, at the time, my, my process, I didn't know my process was going to end with the secret service when I did this prayer and all this good stuff. So that was my challenge thinking, all right, if God's going to do it, he's going to do it. Right. So, um, in long story short, like I said, they canceled the process. Um, I applied with federal probation in Charlotte and, um, I didn't get the job. Like I, you know, and so in my mind, I was thinking, God almighty, like, you know, so much for that, you know? And, um, so I kept going on and kept working and was trying to think what I was going to do next. And I got a call one day and apparently somebody had retired. And I guess when I had done my interview, I made it through the first interview, ended up going to the second interview. And, um, I guess I was number two in line. Now, keep in mind, like <laughs> the entire time, this was going on. I was like preparing for the secret service. You know, when you go for training, like you got to run and jump and swim, you know? So like I was in the best shape of my life, even better than when I was playing football because I was running like 10 miles a day and working out. Like it was crazy. So um, I was in great shape. And so, you know, the person, I guess they hired before me, I'm not going to mention the name, but they hired her before me. Um, apparently, my when let me backtrack they um they hired her somebody retired they hired her but then and i was number two in line so they offered me the job but my background and my medical clearance came back before hers did and when i first applied i thought the job was going to be in hickory but then when i called back i was like so is the job gonna be in hickory they were like no nah, it's gonna be in charlotte and so here I am thinking to myself, man, I got my federal job and it's in Charlotte. This is exactly like I prayed for. And so, like, I always tell people, you know, like, ask big, man. Don't don't shortchange God. Like, you know, it's, it, it definitely will happen. It may, may not be in your time or may not be what you think, um, but it will come. And so, like, you know, not only did I get what I wanted, but I think, I look back on it and I look back on my career now, I think it was something that I should have done or what I was supposed to be doing, like, you know, a long time ago, you know, like, I mean, the police, me, me being a police officer was great for my career and great for my understanding of the law, but I know what my purpose and my passion is. Like, I know my purpose is to help people and to help individuals in the criminal and justice That's what system. I mean, you know, like when, when we had met, you know, you talked to me about talent, you know, your gifts and your purpose. And uh, you told me a right. story about a friend of yours that is in the NFL. And, um, right. you know, so like you were, you know, it was surprising. Like, you know, I didn't really know how to take you. I wasn't sure if that was, you know, I'm like, man, this guy, you know, this guy just give me his lines. He'd be cool now. But then next week, you know, he's going to drop the hammer. And, um, you know, you were. Like I, I just always had a lot of respect for you, and um, you know, I always wondered, like, like I know you have a, a like a philosophy that drives your 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 life and that drives your career, and you know, like how you know what what is your philosophy when you work with your clients? 
Oh man, like for me, it's just like respect. Like I don't, I don't even, I wouldn't even call it like a philosophy. I mean, I know, I know I have to be balanced. I know that, um, you know, you have, there's the law enforcement component, you know, and I'm grateful, you know, for that because not only does it hold other folks accountable, it holds me accountable as well. So like, I know that like, listen, if you don't do, if, if people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, like, you know, you're going back to jail and that's just what it is. Like, you know, I don't, it's not that stuff. That's not off the table, but you also have the other side of it where, you know, I do get a chance to help, you know, that's what I like about it. So it's like, my philosophy is just be balanced, you know, treat everybody with respect, but you can't treat everybody the same because everybody's needs are different. Um, and I think I get a lot of that from, you know, family members, friends, um, and I'll tell you a quick story. I don't know if I told you this one before, but like, um, there's a guy in, you know, that I went to high school with, you know, and I remember, you know, he, he got shot and killed and, you know, I was there the night he got shot and killed, you know, and I was just like, wow, like, you know, this guy was probably the best football player I ever seen in my entire life. And like, you know, I played college football. Um, and I know people who play in the NFL and he's literally the best person I've ever seen, uh, play the game. And if you go in his mom's house right now, she still has like letters from Lou Holtz and Bowden and all these great Hall of Fame coaches. And they wanted this guy, but he never went to college. Mm. He never went to college. Um, and I remember clearly as, as if, you know, like it was yesterday, we were sitting at, a, at the all low country all-star banquet. Like we were both selected as, you know, I guess, all state or all county members, you know, for football in our region. And he was, he was the only person had not signed a letter of intent. And so like, literally, I want to say, was it, I think whoever the coach of Clemson was at the time, I can't remember. Might've been Bob. No, that was Florida state. Whoever it was, they actually came up to our table and he said, Hey, listen, like, you know, um, I'll give you a scholarship, man. You know, I'll give both of you guys. If you guys want to come together, you know, I, they were willing to give me a scholarship just so he can go to the school and play. You know, like, you know, I was like 165, 10, 160 coming out of high school soaking wet. And they were willing to give me a scholarship just so he would come because they, they, they thought that he was afraid to, like, be away from home, you know. So, like, they wanted him that bad. Wow. He was that good. Like I said, he, he ended up getting killed um, on the 4th of July. And the 4th of July is a weird day for me because uh, my my twins, they were born on the 4th of July. And, you know, I always remember, you know, my friend, he, he you know, he got killed on that same night. You know, so, um, you know, it's it's, it's kind of weird, you know, for me in that sense. But um, I always remember that, you know, and I always said to myself, like, I never wanted anybody to like not fulfill their dreams or their God-given purpose or, you know, like we're all created to do something, you know, and we all have a purpose. And like, I just feel like, you know, still to this day, I just feel like his purpose was never met. Like I always, you know, they always say that the greatest, the richest place on earth is the cemetery because that's where all the dreams and goals and ideas, that's where they all go to die. Like these are, that's the place where all this stuff goes to die and you never, ever see, you never, you know, you never get that great invention, you know? So like it's full of everything. And I just feel like that's, 
you know, his life was one that was taken away too quickly and over nonsense, you know. So, I mean, that had a big influence on you. And, um, you know, who would you say, you know, has been the most influential person in your life? Like who's 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 helped shape and mold, you know, your your philosophy or, you know, your the way you approach your job and your life and, and, and other things. I know you have a strong foundation in faith, but, you know, I wonder, like, you know, what kind of. Yeah. You know, who was that person that, you know, that you looked up to or, you know? Um, I think for me, different people do different things. So, like, my dad is probably the smartest and the hardest working man I know. So, like, he's the only person I know, like, I mean, literally, if he doesn't know how to do something, he will go to the library, get a book, read <laughs> it, and go do whatever it is he needs to do. So, like, and he never gives up. I've never seen him give up on anything. Never. And he's 60-something. I've never seen him give up on anything. So, like, I think for him, like, he's always been, like, that hardworking patient. Like, and I, when I look back at my my attempts of trying to get into federal law enforcement, that's really what it is. Like, you got to have that determination because you're going to get told no 101 times. Like, you got to keep applying and keep – I can't tell you how many trips I've taken to different states just to go take a test or um, go get an interview. But, like – you know, just that willingness not to ever give up. Um, you know, I get that from him. I think I get, you know, um, it's my idea about law enforcement. Um, I think that's been shaped by a few different people. You know, just like I said, you know, I can think of a few names, James Bingley, Keisha Holmes down in Charleston, Roger Davis and, and Gaston, um, Michael Johnson in Mount Pleasant, like all these folks, they really helped me. Um, Henry Richardson, they all kind of helped me in terms of law enforcement. Um, Talmadge McGinnis, you know, all these folks, they've really been, you know, a blessing to me in my career. Um, and I want to say, like, just my my love for people, I would say, like, my mom. Like, she's always been, like, you got to help people. Like, you know, she, like, even, like, even when we go to Charleston, like, we'll have these, you know, trainings in Charleston. Like, she'll, like, cook for everybody. She'll be like, all right. You guys come on down. We're all gonna, you know, we're gonna set some of them cooking for everybody. And like, you know, so like she's just always that giving spirit and always willing to help and do anything for everybody. So like I I take all these people and I guess that's who I am. You know, I know um, you know, like you have a big passion for for reaching back and helping the youth. You know, and I'm forever grateful that yeah. you uh I remember the first time that you and I talked and you told me about your program and I, you know, I knew in my head like i'm man mm -hmm. i want this guy to ask me to be in this program you know, when i like i <laughs> like, that was a personal goal for me was you know to get you to you know eventually one day hey you mm -hmm. know check this out you want to do this program with me and speak to these kids and you know right so you know you did that you asked me and you know you always tell us like you know to share our advice to a, a young person that's starting down our path so what would your advice be to a young person that was starting down a path, you know, like your clients that you supervise? Oh, man. Like, I know it's, like, difficult, but you can't be afraid to be yourself. You know, I think a lot of times, like, we're as 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 kids or as, as young folks, um, they're just trying to find themselves, and they only have what they know, you know? So, like, um, don't be afraid to be yourself, but also don't be afraid of different things and, you know, learn from different people um the world is bigger than what you can see around you and so like extend yourself expand yourself and really really like try to 
broaden your horizons, you know. Um, you know, it's just there's there's always a different way of doing things. And there's always you always have a choice, you always have a decision to make. And so like I think a lot of kids they yeah, I hear it all the time. I you know, I don't feel like I there's no way out or you know, you hear that all the time and I'm just like, nah, but you can really you know, if you focus, you can really like, you know, sit down and think about this thing, man. You can do, you, there's, there's a way out, you know, there's somebody that can help you or, you know, just, I mean, like just in my story, it's, my story is not anything that's going to save anybody's life. I don't think, but I think what it does, you know, give people, get people to understand is that like, even when you think there is like, you're done and, you know, there's no way and there's no end in sight. Like, you know, like God will provide something for you, man. There's that ram in that bush. You know, you just got to have faith and believe that it's coming. You know, like it's just, you just got to hold on for it. That's it. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I always wondered, you know, because I've had I've had a lot of conversations with you. And, um, you know, we've uh, we've talked, you know, when you would come to my apartment, you know, we chop it up for a while. And um, like I said, it was uh, – I always wondered about you because you were so different from what I had um, experienced and from what I expected, you know, and, and on a personal note for myself, you know, like I'm grateful that you were my probation officer when I was coming out. Yeah. You know, I knew that, uh, like, I knew that you were like a resource that should I need something or, um, you know, if I got myself in a situation, like, you know, I, I have a good track yeah. record with probation and, uh, you know, there were some fears. I was in a new spot you know, new place. And, you know, and, uh, I was just grateful that I got you as my probation officer. You know, you, um, you know, you were a pretty important person to me when I first came home, just cause I, I didn't have that, pressure, you know, thinking like this guy's out to get me or this guy, like I never, ever felt that way. You know, I always felt that, you know, you were sincere and wanted to see me succeed and that you were willing to help me in any way that you could. Man, I appreciate, I appreciate that, man. That's just, like I said, I don't, um, you know, I think everybody, everybody has a past and, you know, like everybody has, I mean, we get all the details, you know, so like I've seen horrific things. I've seen, you know, things that, you know, some people would say like, wow, you on probation for this, you know, and it's crazy. Yeah. Some guys who have the worst criminal records. They're the nicest folks. And then some folks, you know, <laughs> they're on supervision for something crazy. You wouldn't even think some things is like, I didn't even know it was a federal crime. <laughs> and they're like the worst people to deal with whatsoever. Like, uh, but you know, I think you just, you just, you gotta see people for, you know, for, for who they are, you know, like, I don't, you know, like, I don't want anybody to judge me in a certain way. I mean, we all, we all stereotype to a certain extent, but like, as long as there's that mutual respect, like, I just think that, you know, you can, you can do so much more with that, you know, me and, like so my coworker Roger Burnett, we always have this saying, like it's like when we go to court, we have to send somebody back, you know. We just, you know, they know, you know, and I know, you know, what happened or what 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 you know what caused them to be in that situation. We just shake our heads and, you know, like, all right, it is what it is. You know, most folks can say if I sent them back, it's because, you know, they've done something that they shouldn't have done. You know, they've given multiple chances. They the wrong ticket. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate part, but I think it is necessary. Um, it's that accountability piece. Um, but 
like I said, we do have, I mean, we've got so many tools and so many resources for people out there, man. And I think the hardest part about my job is really trying to put it all together and see what fits what, you know, which individual, you know, but it's out there, you know, we just gotta, we gotta do a better job of it too, but you know, we're starting, we, we'll get there. Well, you know, I appreciate it. And uh, I, I'm glad that you agreed to this and um, I appreciate you letting me ask a question this time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not a problem at all, man. I actually enjoyed it, man. You know, I don't get interviewed that often, you know, so. <laughs> but, no, nah, I appreciate it. No, thank you a lot, man. And, um, you know, I'm sure, like I said, we'll, we'll get together. We're going to, as soon as this COVID-19 thing kicks, you know, gets, you know, goes away, we'll definitely be back in the schools and the juvenile detention centers, and um, we'll get a chance to do some more things. Man, definitely looking forward to it. You know, that's one of my favorite things. Sounds good. Let's all do right. It. I appreciate you. All right. You have a good one. All right. Yes, sir. You too. All right. You have just listened to the former Inmates for Change podcast. We hope you have enjoyed our show. Remember to follow us on YouTube at Former Inmates for Change and on the web at www.inmatesforchange.com. If you have any questions, comments, or if you'd like to be interviewed for the show, please email us at I-N-M-A-T-E-S number four C-H-A-N-G-E at gmail.com.